Hi guys, this is Vadi and we have another question. This one is from Celsi in Accra. Her question reads, How was David called a man after God's own heart, even after everything he did? And how can I also be one after God's own heart? How was David called a man after God's own heart, even after everything he did? And how can I also be one after God's own heart? Very beautiful question. Very, very beautiful question. Thank you, Celsi, for your question. Um, I believe the part of the Bible where it's written that David was called a man after God's own heart. Uh, two places. Acts 13, 22, and then 1 Samuel 13, 14. Both of them um, cite the fact that David was called a man after God's own heart. But if you look at it um, in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, Paul was quoting God, right? And he is written over there, after removing Saul, he, God, right, made David their king, the king of Israel. He testified, he, God, testified concerning him, saying, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And the New Living Translation says, he will do everything I want him to do. So immediately you, you can tell why David was called a man after God's own heart. Because he did everything that God wanted him to do. But if you contrast this to David's life and, you know, everything that went on in it and the ups and the downs, I mean, you begin to wonder, isn't it? But when you when you read the Psalms, right, you learn a lot about David's life and the biblical record of him portrays um, a picture of a man whose life was balanced with success and failure. But one thing that runs through David's life when you notice and when you study his life is that his heart always pointed back to God. No matter what he did, no matter what he went through, no matter what came his way, no matter what he faced, his heart always pointed back to God. And that is the reason why we say he was a man after God's own heart. Right? His, his whole delight and pleasure was to just seek God's approval. Anybody and everybody could be against him. Anybody and everybody could not be happy with him. But he could not stand it if God was not pleased with him even for one second. So it wasn't because he was maybe, um, for lack of a better word, perfect or faultless. But it was just for the simple fact that he was somebody who was chasing after God's approval his whole life. So let me share with you about um, four reasons why David was called a man after God's own heart. Number one, because David had an absolute faith in God, right? David had complete trust in God. Right from his childhood, early on in his life, we learn that um, David is somebody who trusted God totally for protection and, and security from any kind of adversity. And we see this clearly in his fight with Goliath. As a young boy in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when he approached Saul and he said, look, I want to fight this guy. Saul said, hey, man, be serious because this guy has been fighting from his youth. And look at his height and his stature and all that. And his answer in verse 37, very striking. He said, The Lord that delivered me from the paws of the lion and from the paws of the bear, that same God will deliver me from this guy. And so Saul said, All right, the Lord be with you. Go. And the confidence with which he approached the whole situation, such 
calm and very collected demeanor, you could tell that this thing could only be sponsored by somebody who knew who God is, somebody who understood the kind of power God has, and somebody who appreciated the fact that God could deliver him from any kind of danger. And this is what God is looking for in all of us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it goes on to say that those who come to God must first know that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. David was an embodiment of this truth. I mean, if you look at how he faced things, and if you read the Psalms, whenever he was in trouble, whenever he faced anything, you could tell from his expression, from his behavior, from everything that he did, that he was a guy who had absolute faith in God. And that's the reason why God loved him so much. Secondly, David loved the law of the Lord with his whole heart, wholeheartedly. Um, David wrote about 75 of the 150 Psalms that we have in the Bible. And um, um, it is believed that the longest Psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, was written by David. Some say it's Daniel, but I believe it's David because of the tone and the texture of it. It bears all the marks of a Davidic Psalm because um, you compare it to the other Davidic Psalms that are written in the Bible and it bears all the marks of what um, 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 David would, would say. And when you read Psalm 119, um, it is in Psalm 119 that we see things like, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my onto my path. The guy was so in love with the law of the Lord. I mean, when you love somebody, whenever they say something, you take it very seriously. You don't play with it. You don't joke or trifle or trivialize things that somebody you love says, right? And in Psalm 19, Psalm 19 is um, the summary of how much David loved the Lord. I mean, if you don't mind, let me just read you a few verses. No, from verse 7, Psalm 19, from verse 7. He says, reading from the New King James Version, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from great faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And it goes on to um, um, cite one of the most popular verses. And I shall be innocent of great trans- transgression. Listen to this one. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I mean, again, we see a man who is so obsessed with getting approval of God. We see a man who takes very seriously every word that falls out of the mouth of the Lord. This is the kind of person God is looking for. Anybody will be delighted in someone who takes them seriously and not just that, enjoys their presence, enjoys their company and always wants to have their approval, right? This is another reason why David was a man after God's own heart. Thirdly, David was a guy who was full of gratitude. He was full of gratitude from day one. You could tell that, I mean, from the Psalms, he was full of praise for God all the time. 
And one particular instance, we see that this guy is a guy who is full of praise. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, when he danced till his clothes came off, his, his apparel came off. And then his wife, um, Michal, was so angry at him. And in verse 20, she rebuked him and said, Why were you doing that in front of the Holy Spirit? As a king, is that how to behave as a king? And David, David said something very striking in verse 21. He said, Look, when I remember where God took me from, from the backside of the desert, God chose me above your family, your father, and put me on this throne. I have not forgotten and I will never forget. And, and that is the kind of attitude that um, pleases the heart of God. I mean, when you are someone who takes into account everything that God has done for you and you never forget to say thank you, God continues to do more and more and more and more. I mean, is he not the guy who wrote Psalm 100? He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I mean, there's so much in there in these two verses. Even in a, in a natural sense, right? When you go to meet a king, when you go into the presence of a king, an earthly king, um, you have to say things. Before you say anything, before you start with your presentation, you have to begin by saying things like, Oh, king, live forever. May your kingdom be established. I mean, when you start showering him praises like that, that's how you get his attention. That's how you get him to, you know, settle in and you know, give ear to what you're about to say. It's a crime to just get in front of a king and just start talking. You must, you must, give, you know, shower him with some one or two words of praise. And David did that his entire life, virtually. When he was successful, he praised God. When he was defeated, he praised God. When he was sad, he praised God. When he was in trouble, he praised God. I mean, in everything that he did, he praised God. And you enter into his courts with praise whenever you praise God you open a new door in your in your life gratitude is the one sure way of making sure that you receive more and more and more from where that came from if you want to get more from where that came from just show gratitude that's all and that is one reason why David was a man after God's own heart because he always remembered to count his blessings and name them one by one. Little victories, big victories, uh, tiny victories, huge victories. He never forgot to say thank you. And that is one of the reasons why he was so special to God. And finally, the elephant in the room, <laughs> right? The last reason. After he sinned, after David sinned, he was truly repentant. You know, the thing that David did to kill Uriah, and take his wife. I mean, it even began by taking his wife first and then killing Uriah to cover up the fact that he had taken his wife. It, it, it sounds big, but what even makes the thing more serious is who Uriah is. Because when you read 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 39, it lists the names of David's mighty men. And in verse 39, right there, you see Uriah the Hittite, his name over there. So Uriah wasn't just anybody. Uriah was one of David's mighty men, David's friend. Right? He was, in, he was with him in the cave of Adullam. This, this is somebody he went way back with. And to take the wife of such a guy and to kill him as a cover-up, that was, that was really gruesome. That was really sick. 
that's what made his crime even more special and even more big right and in second Samuel chapter 11 verse 2 to 5 the whole account the, the story is over there and in, in, in chapter 12 verse 13 of second Samuel when Nathan came and told him that David what you did wasn't fine what you did was wrong immediately he confessed I mean the word for confess there means to agree he agreed with what Nathan was saying and he said ah I have sinned I have sinned and he he repented he confessed you see the thing that when we sin right we confess and that's just the first part of it the thing that we mostly fail to do is to repent you know confession is just simply agreeing that you were wrong but we have to take it further where we confess and and repent meaning we don't repeat it again i mean nowhere do you see that david even came close to repeating this kind of thing and in psalm 51 you could you could feel his remorse when when you read psalm 51 maybe i should read um a few verses of psalm 51 so that you feel um how remorseful the guy was he was really really sorry for what he did and you could you could tell um, from verse 10 from um, psalm 51 from verse 10 going he said he started by saying create in me a clean heart O god and renew a steadfast spirit within me cast me not away from your presence O lord and take not your holy spirit from me i mean let's take a pause here this is david right a guy who came generations before jesus christ and he was talking about the holy spirit already I mean, it's no wonder why you, you know Jesus Christ would be called the son of David. For generations before Jesus Christ, he, this guy was talking about the Holy Spirit already. He knew that the Holy Spirit could be grieved by what he had done. And his prayer was, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Before we could ever learn of what salvation was, David knew what it is and he knew what joy it brought. And he said, Uphold me by your generous spirit, and I'll teach transgressors away, and sinners shall be converted to you. And, and look at what he said in um, verse 16. He says, You do not desire sacrifice, or else I'll give it. And verse 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. A broken and a contrite heart, this, O oh God, you will not despise. Before we could ever learn about such deep truths, David was already walking in them. This could only tell of a man who um, loved God and had walked with God to such a depth that he was walking in revelation that was years and years and generations and generations ahead of him right so these are some of the reasons that david was called a man after god's own heart i hope i hope you 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 got something from it but to close quickly to close to close sorry hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 one of my favorite scriptures says that we do not have a high priest who is not touched by infirmities we have a high priest called jesus who has been tempted and tested 
in every way possible when he was down here on earth, but was without sin. And so, the only person, the only human being that existed that did not sin is Jesus Christ. Romans 9 verse 30 says, there's none righteous. No, not even one. Not even one. And when you read Hebrews 11, you know, Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters. It talks about the heroes of faith. Those people who please God. And so, those people who um, are supposed to be our role models in this our work of faith. And when you read, when you start reading from verse 8, right from verse 8 and verse 17, they mention Abraham. Abraham. This is a guy who slept with his maid. I mean, how many Christians currently full of faith knowing what we know will will decide and say that look I'm not having a child with my wife let me have a child with my maid Abraham the father of our faith and then in verse 21 he mentions Jacob Jacob's whole life was full of cheating he was just cheating he cheated Esau he he cheated Laban I mean his whole life was just full of cheating left right center back Verse 23, we mentioned somebody like Moses. Moses killed somebody. He killed someone and came to write, Thou shalt not kill. Moses. Then in verse 31, that one blows my mind. Rahab. I mean, you keep wondering, what exactly can I learn from a woman who was a professional prostitute, who had used the money she got from her prostitution to build a room inside the city wall? So that all the men who are angry with their wives, all the men who don't have wives, all the men who are passing through the town, all the men who have... I mean, any, he, she was like the mattress of Jericho. Everybody could come and sleep some on her. And this is a person listed in the Heroes of Faith. Samson, verse 32. Samson is a guy who, when he's going to fornicate, he removes the city walls with his strength. When the testosterone has built up in him, he used it to remove the city walls to go and fornicate. And then the, the name that we've been dwelling on for the past few minutes, David, is mentioned. What's the point? Psalm 103 verse 14 says that God knows that we are dust. He knows, he knows that we are, he knows our free. He knows that we are dust. God doesn't judge us by our morality. When Jesus was speaking in Matthew 5, the greatest sermon of all time, the Beatitudes, the first thing that he said is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The thing that God is looking for from all of us is that we are poor in spirit. We recognize our spiritual poverty. Every time the Bible says, Blessed is the man, it continues with saying something like, Who trusts in the Lord? Whose trust is in the Lord? Who depends on the Lord? God is looking for men and women who totally and absolutely trust him. And that can only come on the basis of love. That can only come on the back of complete faith in him. And so to become um, a man or a woman after God's own heart, God is not necessarily looking for perfection. He's looking for direction. Where is, what is the direction of your heart? A man or a woman who is after God's own heart has his own heart pointed in the direction of God 
all the time all the time so it doesn't matter what your flesh may overtake you to make you do once you maintain a constant faith in god it's not even likely that your flesh will win but in case it does keep your heart pointed to god and that is how you become a man a woman after god's own heart so thank you very much for listening i hope you were blessed you can also send me your questions askbuddy at gmail.com askbuddy at gmail.com or you can send me a whatsapp message a text a voice note selfie video plus two three three two zero zero eight six four six seven three plus two three three two zero zero eight six four six seven three god bless you till meet again bye